Let me just be really clear with everybody. I fully intend to win this campaign. I fully intend to win. Coming up on today's show, I'm breaking down California Democratic presidential hopeful Kamala Harris's 2020 stump speech. Let's roll, y'all. Welcome back to the Young Black Panthers Network, America's independent black online news and talk network that is streamed across multiple digital platforms daily. I'm Devontae Goins, the managing editor and host. For all of you who don't know what a political stump speech is, is it's basically your typical standard speech that's used by a politician running for uh, any type of political office. Typically, a candidate who schedules uh, a ton of appearances, uh, they prepare a short, standardized uh, speech that they can pretty much give verbatim to each and every single audience before they take any type of uh, questions. So that's uh, the speech we're going to be looking at uh, Kamala Harris's uh, today. And let me just tell you that the stump speech, it covers everything. Her stump speech covers everything from education to criminal justice to uh, the economy to even um, the environment and climate can change. So that ought to be interesting. So let's uh, break down Kamala Harris's speech thus far right now. moment in time that is an inflection moment in the history of our country. This is a moment in time that is requiring us each and collectively to look in a mirror and ask a question. That question being, who are we? And so this is a moment in time to fight for the best of who we are and fight we will. This is a moment in time where we must restore truth and justice in our country. A moment in time, truth and justice. So here's how I think about that. When we talk about truth, especially these last couple of years, certainly we think about truth um, as opposed to untruths. Well, <laughs> if Charlottesville didn't make it clear, if the Tree of Life Synagogue did not make it clear, racism, anti-Semitism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia are real in this country and they are an expression of hate. And we must speak that truth so we can deal with it. So at the onset of her introduction, we see she's giving us a little bit of her, what I would like to call her top cop speech. Uh, you hear her saying, yes, we are at a moment of time. And the particular moment of time that we are at is that the American dream and the American democracy is under attack. That's the moment of time that we are at. We're at a moment of time that we are in a, at an inflection point in our history of the world. And we are at a moment of time, and then she takes a jab at uh, you-know-who in the White House. Uh, so th 
this part of the upper stump speech really doesn't move me. It doesn't move me in any type of way to want to vote to her. I at the opening of her speech, I, uh, I really d I couldn't get into it much. Uh, we're at a moment of time. She's just telling me stuff I we know already in a sense, and she wants her vote. We're at a moment of time. We're at a moment of time. We're at a moment of time. Kamala, we know we're at a moment of time, but what are you going to do about that moment of time? So after talking about uh, the moments of time that we are at for about five to ten minutes, she finally gets uh, to the point of where she set, where she moves into the meat of the stump speech and what we're going to focus on today. And she starts by saying, we must speak truth about what's happening. And then she said, so speak truth is what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak truth and fight for the truth. And so now you're going to start to hear her say, let's speak some truth, shall we? And then let's speak truth about the economy and things like that. So we're about to move into the meat of... Uh, the actual stump speech, and from moving into uh, the meat and the substance of the stump speech, we can now figure out where she stands on certain issues such as health care, education, criminal justice, uh, the environment, and climate change, and so on and so on. And so at each moment uh, and section of the speech, we're, we're going to stop it and have a conversation and an analysis about what she means about this moment of time and about how she how she's going to speak the truth and not only about speaking the truth but m most importantly how she's going to pay for all that she's proposing she would like to do and fight the source of hate let's speak that truth let's speak the truth the economy of America is not working for working people Let's speak that truth. So how do we know that? Well, in America today, for almost half of American families cannot afford a $400 unexpected expense. Almost half of American families cannot afford a $400 unexpected expense. That could be the car breaking down. That could be an unexpected hospital bill. In America today, in 99% of the counties in our country, if you are a minimum wage worker working full time, you cannot afford market rate for a one-bedroom apartment. That's the truth about America, America today. today, which is why I am proposing what economists have described as what would be the most significant middle-class tax cut in generations. And specifically, what I am proposing is that for families that are making less than $100,000 a year, you receive a tax credit of up to $6,000 a year that you can collect at up to $500 a month. All the difference between being able to get through the end of the month and not. And then you know how folks are. People say, well, how are you going to pay for that? <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I'm going to pay for it. We're going to repeal that tax bill that they passed. <laughs> that
in her uh, economic policy is all about cutting taxes, as uh, you guys just heard. So basically, the down and dirty, if uh, you didn't understand it, is for lower to middle class America, meaning you make under $100,000 a year, and you're single, making under $50,000 a year, Kamala's going to give you a tax cut. Families uh, of four or more are going to pocket $6,000 annually in tax credits. And individuals and couples are going to receive $3,000 annually in a receivable uh, tax credit plan that she's uh, going to come up with. And Kamala is saying this is the largest working and middle class cut tax cut plan in a generation since F uh, not FDR, but uh, since uh, LBJ's London uh, Baines Johnson, our 35th president, 36th president rather, um, did his so great society plan and reshaped uh, America as we know it uh, with uh, not only with health care, but uh, giving access to Medicaid and Medicare, but then Head Start and all of that. So she's uh, really trying to position uh, herself, as we're hearing, more like an LBJ, but she won't be an LBJ type of deal. But uh, she, what was interesting was that uh, she said she's going to pay for it by repelling uh, Trump's uh, tax cuts to the wealthiest one uh, percent of americans and so those total tax cuts uh, that he just gave uh, over last year uh, with the republican congress uh, that was just in place uh, prior to 2019 totaled uh, a 1.3 trillion dollar plan but i want you to keep that number in mind because she talks about using this uh, uh, his tax cuts that he gave the wealthiest 1% to in multiple different ways, but it's only $1.3 trillion, do trillion dollars, and I say that sarcastically, like that's a little bit of money, but it's really not. It's a lot of money, but you got to think if uh, a ton of families and a ton of individuals make less than $100,000, they make less than $50,000 a year, so that starts to add up and up and up. So really, how will you pay for this? Uh, can we have more clarification on this issue, Kamala? We are a society that pretends to care about education. But not so much the education of other people's and our teachers. Children. And it is time we pay our teachers their value. And the people who will be implementing that education are our teachers. Let's pay them for their value. So what I am proposing is something we've not seen from a president since LBJ. What I'm proposing is what will be a, the largest federal investment in closing the teacher pay gap, which at this point is a gap that means that our teachers are on average receiving 10 or more percent less than other college graduates in pay and we need to close that gap to invest in our collective future. I fundamentally agree with it and 
there's like one or two uh, minor things that I have problems with when it comes to uh, her education plan, but the overall plan, I, I, I definitely agree with it. And here's uh, why I agree with uh, Kamala's uh, education plan and wanting to boost teacher pay. And that is because, uh, much like the story she shared with you about her elementary school teacher that ended up coming to her law school graduation, I've had many of teachers on uh, my side like that, but uh, not only that, but a lot of my family members, a lot of my aunts and my grandmother's sisters, uh, at least two out of the seven of them were school teachers. And I saw the w amount of work that they not only had to uh, put into uh, the classroom, but uh, the amount of uh, money that they had to spend out of their own pocket and sometimes not knowing if they were going to be able to pay their own bills and to provide for their family because they were providing for their students when the schools should have been pitching in, helping them uh, provide. So I am in favor of her uh, plan to uh, boot uh, teacher pay. And uh, the vernaculars and the details of it is she wants to boost uh, teacher pay by $315 billion, billion with a B, billion dollars over the next 10 years meaning that she's going to raise each individual's teacher's pay by roughly $13,500 each, uh, their salary, uh, annual salary that they receive. And she said uh, the way that she's uh, going to pay for it, she didn't go over it in her stump speech, but after doing a little bit of digging and uh, research, I found out that uh, she was uh, going to pay for uh, this uh, by another one of her infamous tax cuts, uh, but uh, she uh, wasn't really going to be giving a tax cut, I should say, but she was going to be raising taxes. So she switched from uh, uh, taking back the tax cuts from the wealthiest 1% to now raising taxes for the wealthiest 1% of uh, America and she would be raising their estate tax, their real estate tax, uh, for the wealthiest 1%. And uh, along with uh, raising uh, their uh, real estate tax, she would uh, also be closing some other mundane loopholes that she hasn't talked about. Um, this isn't new for uh, Kamala, this type of education plan. She proposed, uh, introduced a bill onto uh, the Senate floor a couple months ago before she announced, I want to say in November or October of 2018, uh, suggesting to do something similar for uh, teachers. Uh, it didn't get anywhere uh, because it was a Republican-held Senate and still a Republican-controlled uh, Senate. So it'll be very interesting to see if uh, uh, her plan can uh, pick up uh, some support from uh, not only her supporters, but from other uh, peep, other uh, journalists out there, and just other uh, politicians in general wanting to back her plan when she uh, first announced this uh, plan. It, it was uh, an audacious plan, and she even says it herself that it is uh, pretty audacious. So on the one hand, you see her uh, wanting to... Uh, give uh, middle-class Americans, uh, lower middle-class Americans, that is, a tax cut 
but continuing to push and make the wealthiest Americans pay their fair share. But I, I think it's uh, worth uh, noting, and we will uh, get into this uh, a little bit later uh, on another sh episode of the show, about uh, Kamala's uh, plans uh, when it comes to taxes and views on taxes versus uh, Elizabeth Warren's, and it all comes down to cutting versus raising taxes, and it's a very interesting dialogue, to say the least. Uh, let's hop back into uh, the stump speech. Let's speak truth. Climate change is real. Yeah. Now, it's a shame we have to say it that way, right? <laughs> it's a shame we have to say it that way. But the problem with the matter, which is a serious matter... <laughs> is that we've got a situation where we have supposed leaders in our country who are out there pushing science fiction instead of science fact. We have supposed leaders in our country who are denying what is presenting itself as the most existential threat to who we are as human beings, because let's be clear, this species requires clean air and clean water, and it is very much at peril right now. And the only way we are gonna fix this problem is to understand it is in large part due to human behaviors, which can be changed without much change to your lifestyle. But there has got to be leadership at the very top who takes this on and understands that we can do something about it and let's stop ceding our role on the globe as being a leader on the issue of climate change. Let's speak truth. In America today, there are parents who will sit down with their children at dinner time. Their children, they could be elementary school, middle school, high school. And those parents will ask their children, how was your day, darling? And the child will say, well, it was a difficult day. Why is that? Well, we had a drill today at school. Well, what did that drill involve? It involved us learning that we needed to go run and hide in a closet. Why, mommy and daddy, did we have to learn to do that? Well, because they said something about it might be because there'll be a mass gunman roaming the streets of our school and running, roaming the halls of our school. Why, mommy and daddy, must we go through that? And those parents have to then look at that child and say, well, it's because supposed leaders in Washington, D.C. have failed to have the courage to reject a false choice. Have failed. Have failed to have the courage to reject a false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. It's a false choice. It is because... People in Washington, D.C., supposed leaders, have failed to have the courage to understand it. I'm fine with everybody going hunting who wants to go hunting, but we also must have the courage to have reasonable gun safety laws, including universal background checks. Toward 2020, 
Let's do it with a spirit that recognizes that part of the strength of who we are as a nation, part of our culture, is we are an aspirational nation. We are an aspirational people. We are a nation that was founded on noble ideals. Those ideals that were present when we wrote the Constitution of the United States and all of its amendments and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and those words we spoke in 1776 that we are all and should be treated that way. All uh, Kamala gave her gave us your typical same old same old establishment speech with a little bit of Obama with a little bit of education and a little bit of economics. The question now becomes, uh, does Kamala deserve the vote of black America? As it stands right now on April the 12th, 2019, no, Kamala Harris doesn't deserve black America's vote just because she's uh, the leading uh, contender in the race for president of the United States at this very moment. But I could tell you whose vote she does deserve, maybe. Maybe not. If you're tired of the mainstream media outlets selecting news stories and events that appeal to us here in black America that are not black, then become a member of the Young Black Panthers Network today, where we are covering everything from events, the news, the stories you just don't hear about in mainstream media every day, or in your typical newscast either that relates to us. You can become a member today by heading over to youngblockpanthers.live forward slash join to sign up for a membership. Until next time, Black America, remember to keep it real because your conscience depends on it. Peace. <laughs>